Pilate asks Jesus, are you a king? And we notice that Jesus doesn't answer simply yes or no, but gives him a more involved answer. This conversation takes place on Good Friday morning. The Jewish authorities in Jerusalem have handed Jesus over to the Roman governor Pontius Pilate with the charge that he has been claiming that he is the king of the Jews. Because that claim to Pilate's ears is a threat, a competitor. Anybody who would be claiming this to Pilate would be saying, I am king and not Caesar. I have the proper authority. I am now in rebellion. I'm going to stir up the people who are going to fight and push the Roman Empire out. And so when Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? He's asking him, are you a threat that I need to crush? Now we in 21st century America will not hear that term king with the same ears Pilate heard, but perhaps with different ears. To us, sometimes kings are purely ceremonial figures who live in palaces, wear nice clothing, and in a sense ceremonially represent the entire nation without real power. But we remember, especially through formative documents like the Declaration of Independence, that our country is often looked upon real kings with real power in a very negative light. You remember that that declaration pointed the finger at King George III of England and said, among other things, he has taken things from us to enrich himself. He has dominated and tyrannized our lives, taking away our freedom. So that in an entirely different way, but like Pilate, we might think of a king as a threat, as a competitor to our well-being and our freedom, so that we too might with suspicion ask, are you a king? And we notice that Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom does not belong to this world. And in so saying, surely he accomplishes in as short a time as possible a sorting out of Pilate's preconceptions. He's essentially saying, I am not the kind of king you are thinking of. I am not a threat. I am not a competitor to your governing of this nation. But yes, I am a king of a different sort than you are thinking of. My kingdom is not of this world. The kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ is what the church draws our attention to this last Sunday of the liturgical year. And in this year of the three-year lectionary reading cycle, the readings draw us to a sort of glorious, heavenly, cosmic view of our Lord Jesus' kingship. Thus it presents to us this vision received by the prophet Daniel. This vision began prior to where our reading began as Daniel saw four different strange beasts emerging from the sea, each one representing a different empire in sequence. 
And then the figure called the Ancient of Days, whom we may recognize as God the Father, took the throne in judgment and brought their kingdoms to an end. Then comes our reading, where a new figure appears, not a beast, but a human figure, the Son of Man, not climbing out of the turmoil of the sea, but riding in on the clouds of heaven, which only God does. We recognize him as God the Son. And to him, God the Father gives a different kind of kingdom, a kingdom over the whole universe, a kingdom that will last forever. When our Lord Jesus, during his earthly ministry in the Gospels, speaks of himself as the Son of Man, which we know he does many times, he is identifying himself as this glorious heavenly figure, this eternal universal king whom the people have been waiting for. He says, yes, that's me. I am that heavenly king. And so he can say to Pilate, no, I'm not the threat you're thinking. As evidence, consider my followers. They're not fighting to set me free right now. We know that he had ordered them not to do so. And to us, if we might be a little afraid to trust this king, he might instead point to the cross and say, look at the crown that I'm wearing. It is a crown of thorns. Look at how I am not seeking to dominate you, but I have given you everything. I have poured out my blood to defeat the threats to you and to set you free. And so it is, we recognize, that this is a king who has come to give us life and to give it more abundantly. That he is no threat, he is no competitor, but that his glory is the human being, us, fully alive. Indeed, not only does he not seek to take away from us but through our baptism, he invites us, he calls us to participate in his kingship. But now what does that mean? What does it mean to participate in his kingship? We might ask, what is it that a king does? And perhaps three things come to mind. First, that he unifies his people. Second, that he defends them against external enemies. And third, that he rightly orders all the elements of their lives so as to bring about their good. These are things that a king does. These are things that our Lord Jesus does for us. Those first two things, surely we have very much seen that he did, that he defended us against our enemies, defeating sin and death and Satan upon the cross that he has brought us together, joining us into his church, especially through baptism and each time we come to the Eucharist. And then there's that third thing, the rightly ordering, the right ordering of all the elements of our life in order to bring about our good, our blessedness. It is in this especially that each of us participates in his kingship. And we will look at this both within ourselves personally and then also outside ourselves as we relate to others. 
To participate in his kingship within ourselves is to seek to cooperate with him to bring everything within ourselves into right order, right arrangement, right priority, according to his good kingly rule. So that our desires, our feelings, our thoughts, our words and our actions, all of these things, we seek to exclude and remove anything of sin and to arrange everything else according to the love of God and the love of others. We do this within ourselves, in which we have perfect right to do so. We bring all things under his kingly rule. And so we may consider, out of the long process that this may be, what might be the thing right in front of us, some particular aspect of our hearts or our actions where we know he wants to bring something into right order. How does he want us to cooperate with him in bringing about his kingly rule in our lives? And then we turn from looking within ourselves to looking outside at those around us. Of course, here as we're relating to other people, we can't simply make decisions for them, but instead we bring about love and persuasion with regard to our families, with regard to our neighbors, friends, co-workers, fellow students, also within the broader society and culture, government and economy and education with which we live. And see what are the ways available to us in which we may seek to advance Christ's kingly rule, to help others to know him, Jesus Christ, to respond to him in faith, to follow him, and to arrange their lives too under his kingly rule. Especially as we participate in society, as citizens, as consumers, as those who contribute to culture, what steps may we take to order our laws and practices and institutions in a way that rather than pressuring people towards sin, which sometimes has happened in different ways, different times, not to pressure them towards sin, but instead to prompt them towards goodness. How may we order all things around us according to Christ's kingly rule? And we know that as we seek to live this out both within our lives and to lovingly persuade those around us that this may bring us into conflict. At the worst, at the worst, this can be a head-on conflict that even leads to martyrdom. As so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in different lands and different centuries have given their lives in the service of Christ the King. In a world where we see at different places radical secularism, communism, radical Islam, we see the potential for that. And we pray that we may not experience that in our lives. This is what may happen in the worst of cases. But even in the best of cases, to seek to follow Christ as king will bring us at least into attention. We remember that Christ said, repay to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. 
And when we seek not only to be good citizens, to foster harmony, to give good service in a way that's acceptable to others around us, but to seek Christ's goals, this takes us not against these other things, but beyond them. And as we seek goals and priorities that go beyond what our society wants, it should at least at times to make things a little uncomfortable. And so it is that our Lord Jesus, in speaking with Pilate, brought things down to a personal question. Am I a king? Do you say this on your own? Are you listening to the truth yourself? Who do you say that I am? May we listen to that truth. May we be ready to affirm that our Lord Jesus truly is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To open our hearts to him and to be ready to follow him in our actions each day. For we look towards one day his coming in glory upon the clouds, knowing that then he will bring his glorious kingdom to fulfillment, knowing that then he will make all things new.